0: Welcome back to Her Hustle with your hosts, Chloe and Mimi. We interview successful female and non-binary entrepreneurs about their businesses and how they got from college to where they are today. Whether you have a side hustle or want to own your own company, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and are eager to learn, this podcast is for you. Let's get going.
1: Hello, Today, we are thrilled to welcome Vanessa Castaneda Gill, who is the founder and CEO of Social Cypher. An LA-based social enterprise, Social Cypher creates video games to empower autistic youth. Their first game is a space pirate adventure that explores social situations through the eyes of an autistic protagonist. Vanessa started Social Cypher in college at Claremont McKenna, where she studied neuroscience and physics, and since graduating has steered her company through incubators, fellowships, Kickstarter campaigns, and has been recognized as Facebook global gaming citizens. Personally, Vanessa and her team were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 education list in 2020. And as an alumnus of our very own college, Vanessa continues to be someone we talk about on campus as having made a true impact in the world of social entrepreneurship. Genuinely, you come up a lot in conversations. Um, So yeah, welcome.
0: We are so excited to have you here, Vanessa. Um, But yeah, as Mimi said, I'd love to start just back in college. Take us back to when you were at CMC, what your interests and aspirations were back then. I know Mimi mentioned that you were a neuroscience and physics major, which does kind of align with what you do now. But I'd love to hear about that path.
2: Yeah. So, uh, gosh, back in college, um, especially when I first started, um, I was definitely going in to be pre-med. I really wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I thought that that was the way and like um, and I started off not doing any type of um, physics or anything. I just you know thought that that was my path um, and I thought I all had it all planned out. Uh, then for me, uh, I started learning that it may just have not been the right path for me. Uh, it was probably in like sophomore junior year. And I realized that I wanted to bring three things in my life that I love together. And that was my love for science, my love for art and my love for helping people. Um, and I wanted to do that in a way where I could see my impact firsthand and actually interact with people. Um, so I then kind of went on and started, uh, doing research in a neuroscience lab. I thought, okay, this is my next thing. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, but that just turned out not to be the right thing either. And then when I started, you know, thinking about Social Cypher um, and how I could help youth like me, uh, it's just started coming together. Um, and that's kind of how I got to uh, that place of entrepreneurship as my career
1: aspiration. Cool. Well, okay, it's good to know that you also had these different things that you could possibly go into like starting and doing med then research and so people who have these varieties of interests and passions as well it's good to hear from you who've now um, who's now kind of like found what you want that didn't necessarily come from a straight path
0: yeah it's also really cool to hear just your thought process about the three things that you're passionate about, and then going from there, like, how can I tie these three things together into a career path? And you then created your own because it didn't exist yet. I think that's something that a lot of us could benefit from hearing and thinking about in our own um, career path, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, for me, it was really tough to imagine at first because I was, I I was searching all over the place. I would literally just in Google type neuroscience, art, help people. And like, I would just try to combine all these different keywords and I would find like little jobs here and there, but none of them fit or they always had, you know, two of the three in there. And I wanted them all. So, uh, I didn't completely set out to combine them all together, but I think when you find something that you're really passionate about um, and just start learning as much as you can about it, uh, you start realizing that you did create that track for yourself and that it's possible.
1: Yeah, so with you uniting these three things together, can you talk more about uh, like the co-founding team? How did Social Cypher get started and first start to take form as a business? Yeah,
2: so um, I guess that takes a little background on my end. So I uh, Social Cypher started because of my own experiences on the autism spectrum. So when I was 14, I was diagnosed with Asperger's um, and I grew up uh, with a single mom. We didn't have many resources. Uh, to really understand my autism. So I looked to the media and those stereotypes were less than ideal. And as a result, I had a lot of negative thoughts a- about myself. Um, I suffered from years of depression and anxiety and low self-esteem because I just thought I was totally broken. Um, but uh, my mom actually really helped me out. Uh, throughout my teenage years to help me understand social interaction in my own way, to help me realize that I really wasn't broken. And uh, that learning process really continued in college when I found people that I found really accepted me. And I felt that I could actually trust uh, with this diagnosis that I was so ashamed of previously and hid from people for six years. And so uh, those first few people I told actually ended up becoming my co-founders. And you know, when we set out to do it, uh, we just thought that this would be some college passion project and or a research project. Like I made it my independent study. Um, I just thought it would be like a cool paper um, or a cool thing I could take into grad school, um, but never really thought it could be a business um, until we started uh, entering pitch competitions and realizing that we might have been onto something
0: because we started winning them. Um, and yeah. So cool. I want to get into the pitch competition process later, but before we dive into that, I'd love to learn, know a little bit more about Social Cypher itself and how the power of play helps um, w- children with autism that use the game. Yeah,
2: happy to. So um Social Safer is a video game company that empowers autistic youth. Uh, we give them a safe and accessible space to apply social skills through the magic of gameplay and story. Um, we also have a representative character in our first game, Ava, um, which is based on and co-developed with the autism community every step of the way. Um, so we do play testing sessions, focus groups, interviews, um, any step in really developing the game, we try to involve the autism community and autistic voices as much as possible. Um, and when it comes to the power of play uh, with the autistic community, especially, uh, we believe that autism, or sorry, um, so autistic people are actually two times more likely to play video games versus the neurotypical population. And I think that's for two reasons. Uh, One of them is that video games just make a lot of sense and align really well with autistic traits. Uh, So they have these objective sort of levels and this structure that just aligns really well. Um, The other reason, though, is I think that it's A safe space where you can be who you want to be and you can be able to interact with other people uh, without any fear of judgment or rejection. So we thought that having a video game specifically for autistic people um, where they could uh, explore and embrace who they are uh, while also learning social emotional concepts um,
1: would be a really good thing to have. So with that like game development process about you, including a lot of your users as well to test things out, what has the product development journey looked like for the first game that you're developing? Can you walk us through like how you initially planned out, how you were gonna test a product and maybe some of your experiences in college that have helped inform your development? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um,
2: uh, Okay, well, uh that's a super interesting process that has taken countless prototypes um a lot of just uh of my co-founder and I recently like look back at all of the crazy prototypes that we had um way back in the beginning so in the very beginning um i had no digital design or art expertise nor did i have any game development experience so The first prototypes of Ava, um, were storyboards that I drew out like little comics and I drew them out with like pen and paper. And then I would just like aggressively show them to people, um, as many people (laughs) as I could. And I was like, this is how it works. See, this is how everything you go through everything. And it just hardly made sense, but somehow people got the picture. At least my co-founders did, um, and then that started to develop into these little PowerPoint slideshows because I couldn't, I couldn't do much more. <laughs> um, so I would like painstakingly draw out every scene uh, that I would imagine for this game. Um, I'd scan it into the computer, and then I would digitally color it in Photoshop because I didn't realize that you could just draw things on a computer. <laughs> um, so I did that for. Countless prototypes, and then I uh, tested with our very first tester, um, who is kind of the inspiration for our main character. Her name is also Ava, um, and oh, she hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. The very like our slideshow, there, the, there was no. She she loved Super Mario Brothers, which is why our game is a platformer, um, and we really wanted to incorporate that fun into it. But I didn't have the capability to make any type of like fun, jumpy platforming game. All I had was like, oh, you, you have a PowerPoint and you can click some arrows um, to click to the next slide. Like seven-year-olds do not like that. um, I found out. So uh, we kept on going and we brought Charlie, um, our lead developer on and Lucy, our head artist, and they are incredible and they just transformed our game. And so we went through lots of different types of stories we also didn't have writing experience so um i was writing a lot of stories and they uh weren't the most sophisticated things but they got the they got the point across um so we had some really intriguing ideas uh we had at one point what looked like a little jumping potato um that and like charlie didn't know how to work the gravity yet on our platform, so the potato would just flop over as you would like play with it throughout the game. It was. It <laughs> didn't make the cut. <laughs> didn't make the cut. Um, we also there was also an iteration where uh, everyone like we everyone was from of a different emotional world and um, one of our characters had a head had like whenever he would get angry, his head would turn into a tomato. And we thought it was genius. And we thought, and we were like, his name is Tom the Mato. And this is his thing. And this was a thing that we had in our game for a little while. We had sketches, everything. And then realized that wasn't a good idea. Um, And I think as another prototype, we went through one where our entire impetus of our game was to get snacks for a sarcastic fox named Sassy Fox who wore sunglasses and made sarcastic comments to you. Like, (laughs) there there were just so many interesting ideas. Um, Finally, we ended up actually getting a fantastic writer uh, named Yi Chao, uh, and he just, like, transformed the story for our game um, and has helped us bring it to what it is today, which is much nicer. But yeah, it was a lot of. Oh, we also did puppet shows at one point because we didn't have anything like puppet shows over Skype, and we printed out the characters, and I would, uh, like, I made a backdrop here in my little office, and uh, put some, like, brought some characters uh, that my mom had cut out uh, on paper and popsicle sticks, and then I had our co-founders voice them with all these funny voices. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you like the bloopers Skype. real. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
2: honestly, <laughs> there are some interesting things. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, lots of iteration, lots of playtesting and learning over and over again from our users what they actually wanted um, and what was actually fun for them, too, uh, was super important uh, to get us to where we are now, which we we look like a game now <laughs> and we play like a game.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. It's really interesting to hear about the beginnings when it was scrappy and you didn't have game design experience and you just completely put yourself into that position and made it work. Um, And now being able to see what it looks like today, like that must feel so you must feel so proud of it. Really? It's it's awesome. Um, So I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of how you got from that scrappy place to the place you are now. And you mentioned that you did a lot of user testing and you brought on designers and people to write the scripts. Um, But you also mentioned that you did pitch competitions. So I know that it takes funding and it takes the right kind of opportunities in the beginning to get where you are now. So I'm curious how the pitch competitions and those other opportunities, um, how you found them and how those went.
2: Yeah, so it took... It took a lot of work. Um, I think that pitch competitions were definitely the first thing for us. Uh, Just being able, I think being able to craft and hone your story um, and being able to tell it in a way that is succinct, that is hard hitting and uh, that moves people to action is super important. Um, Being able to communicate your big vision, even if you don't know how the heck you're gonna get to that big vision is also really important um, because the only one that's gonna be able to see that vision is yourself. And so it's kind of your responsibility uh, to be able to communicate that to people um, or else people are not gonna see it. So I think that uh, making sure to continue to be ambitious and think really big about stuff, um, be able to communicate that is uh, yeah, just a really important thing to be able to do. Um, So yeah, with our pitch competitions, um, that was the first thing that gave us like a tiny bit of seed money um, to really get it. What did we even do with that? Oh my gosh. Um, I think with some of that seed money, we were just, we had no idea what to do with it at the beginning. Um, but, uh, we started using it to pay for like little travel stuff and, uh, to be able to, I think we brought on our developer. Uh, one of our developers is like a contractor, um, with the very small amount of seed money we had. Um, And we use that as traction to be able to uh, like build some really small initial prototypes and stuff. Um, And what really helped us out was when we got into the Halcyon incubator was, which was uh, right after graduation, actually. Um, And that helped me understand a little bit more about number one, business basics, because I knew nothing. Um, And number two, just how to be a little more scrappy. Uh, So, you know, not, not, automatically going to you know not automatically like taking out a loan and getting all my seed funding to like hire a bunch of people um or to get a website and a fancy marketing stuff um or merch like it was about okay what do i actually need right now as an mvp um what is the cheapest and fastest way that i can create something um and then be able to iterate on it really fast because i think at that point we were like all right, we're going to fail on this. This is not going to be the final thing. Um, And so we just needed to remember that. And I think that at that point, too, like being good at telling my story was also important, um, not just for pitch competitions, but also for applying to uh, different incubators, accelerators. uh, Well, at that time, incubators um, and applying to different grants and stuff. I think that was just really helpful in getting our applications to be read um, by people and getting some more initial seed funding there.
1: So with like the Halcon incubator and also Camelback Ventures, how did you hear about these programs and how might other startups benefit from being part of an incubator or a fellowship? Yeah, so I think that
2: I guess one thing that I did was just tell everyone, like tell everyone that I was doing social cipher at one point like after I mean don't get me wrong like at the beginning before we had won any pitch competitions I kept it super secret I was uh so scared so nervous about being judged on it um and I had this I had this fear of like oh what if someone takes my idea other thing like if you're afraid of someone taking your idea that is understandable but like at the early stage you are at it's more important uh to be able to tell as many people as you can about it um, and really just get that understanding of how you can do it and be able to accelerate yourself further. Um, I think that there's a lot of fear of sharing ideas uh, in the super early stages, but I think that being able to share and collaborate with people is super helpful uh, to get you to a product that's successful. Um, Anyway. uh, Yeah. So with these accelerators and incubators uh, really what I did was, Yeah, I got a lot of these as recommendations from people that I told about Social Safer. I also just searched for anything and everything. Um, I looked at different aspects of myself and different identities that we had on the team. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, being an underrepresented person. Um, So being a woman, being a person of color, um, like being a, a... being autistic, being young, like there are a lot of different opportunities out there. And I think it just requires, quite honestly, um, a lot of Googling and searching. Um, They also do it by like industry. Uh, And I think being able to be creative and spinning your venture into something that could fit multiple categories is also super important. Um, When it comes to incubators and accelerators, the reason that they're really important is for a couple of reasons. Um, One of them is just the know how and the knowledge, Uh, it gives you the business knowledge, uh, and the industry specific know how that you need to move your business forward. It also gives you an amazing community and amazing network, not only of, you know, potential funders or advisors, uh, or just stakeholders in general, but also just a really good community of founders. And I realized before going into an incubator, I didn't, I just thought I was super alone in this journey. Um, I thought no one would understand. And I thought I just didn't need anyone. Um, But then I started facing a lot of imposter syndrome and burnout and lots and lots of breakdowns. And I realized that having a community of founders there, um, whether that was uh, virtually or there with me was so helpful because I, there's just this own unspoken language between you all uh, where
0: you can complain about something and they totally understand what you're talking about and can even help you. So awesome. yeah. So wonderful. All right. So next I'd love to know a bit about obviously social cipher is completely unique in that it's a video game studio that focuses on these neuro- neurodiverse communities. What are the biggest barriers that you face in advocating for your company considering this is a completely different, unique market?
2: yeah so there are are a lot um i think that one of them is a lot of people don't immediately know why video games um that's definitely one uh and yeah i've previously described why that's important i think that a lot of the time people don't realize that independence is self-advocacy um, especially for autistic youth is super important. Um, people don't realize that they're that autistic youth are five times more likely to be bullied and ten times more likely to die by suicide compared to neurotypical peers. These are not things that are commonly discussed and spoken about. Um, people are usually people usually regard uh, autism as a, a disease or a disorder that needs to be cured when in reality um, it is, a condition that people have, uh, that very much forms a part of their identity. Um, And with the negative stereotypes that are out there about autism, uh, it is affecting these youth, which included me, like it affected me in a negative way. Uh, And so I think that what really needs to be done is uh, the narrative surrounding autism really needs to be transformed. And there are a lot of amazing organizations that are out there doing that. Um, And I'm really glad that Social Cipher is able to join them. And um, so
1: with that, what do you see, like, if you had all the resources all the time, everything in the world, what would be your hopes for Social Cypher to turn into? Like, do you want to keep developing video games or do you see yourself transitioning into research in some way? Like anything, what is it?
2: Oh, yeah. So I guess there, there are a lot of things. Uh, so we always say that we want to become the uh, leaders in neurodiverse educational gaming, mm-hmm. um, which basically is you know we want to be able to be this home in this community for people um, that can explore their social emotional selves through the power of play um, to be able to experience any type of emotion or social situation and do it in a place where they feel safe um, and where they don't feel judged so that they can feel a little more confident uh, to be able to express those emotions or go through those social situations in real life um, I think what we would want to do beyond that is you know, right now, a lot of autism research is very much focused on uh, white male higher income subjects. And um, I want to be able to sort of democratize that research and show that there are cultural implications. There are socio socioeconomic implications um, when you are autistic. And there's a lot of uh, sort of intersectionality there. So being able to, in the future, provide Data and a little more understanding to autism researchers or to counselors and educators um, about what the autistic experience is like for various age groups and backgrounds um, would be super important to us. I think that another thing we would want to do too in the very far future is like utilize AI um, and be able to have these characters that are actually like simulating autistic people or simulating neurodivergent people in general, right? Like, there is a, uh, when it comes to being neurodivergent, um, there's an entire like spectrum of, of different types of conditions one one can encounter. Right, there are like neurological differences, like autism or ADHD. Um, there are other ones like dyslexia. Like there are so many different uh, neurotypes that are out there um, that I think just really need that representation and uh,
0: that support. Awesome, thank you. Wow, kind of on that train of thought, um, can you elaborate? and tell us a little bit more about what it's like being a female founder specifically and if there have been any ch- times where you've been treated differently and how you kind of overcame them
2: yeah for sure so uh I think yeah so being treated as a female founder has been interesting uh, to say the least so uh I think that there's a lot of I think that there's honestly a lot of good that comes from it like you you were able to really bond, uh, with other female entrepreneurs. Again, there's that unspoken language that's even deeper. Um, I think that there is a big push, especially when you're a young uh, woman entrepreneur to know everything, be able to do everything and be super aggressive and pushy and, uh, you know, be a very typical, more male oriented, like boss. Um, I've realized, uh, for me that that's just not the way like I don't have to uh, mold myself to sort of become that CEO or founder stereotype you see on TV, right? Um, I tried to be that way for a long while, and it just didn't work out. And I just ended up feeling worse about myself. Um, and not feeling true and authentic to myself. Um, I think that one of my big strengths um, as a woman entrepreneur is being able to be vulnerable and open and being able to be very compassionate with people um, and being able to uh, sort of understand what they're going through and having the strength and courage and vulnerability to be able to voice that too. yeah. And I think that especially being like an autistic female, an autistic female entrepreneur, um, there have definitely been times. I think my autism has actually gotten a lot in the way of, um, of stuff. Cause number one, a lot of people don't realize um, that women can be autistic as well. It's usually like a very male, uh, it, it's oh. portrayed as a very male thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's a huge, Thing in the autism community um there's a pretty large underdiagnosis in women because it just actually manifests differently um than the typical cases of autism um so there have definitely been times where you know i've been in a pitch competition and people have said that i communicate really really well or like you know that i don't look
1: autistic which is mm, got it. makes no yeah. sense
2: right like um so there are things like that that make you really angry mm-hmm. uh I mean, it like it, in the time that it happens and in that moment, but um, I think my compassionate side of myself and realizing that there's just a lot more work to be done, um, it helps me turn it into more of an educational moment, um, and it also is just validation that my product is needed.
1: Yeah. So from what you've been saying as well, it's really clear that you have made social cipher, and you've been taking entrepreneurship, you've been going it in your own authentic way and sometimes that can look a little untraditional. Can you share maybe some moments where you've had to pivot in untraditional ways? Like maybe if it's to do with raising money or um, the way you go about carrying yourself in meetings, like how does your team pivot and do your own authentic thing?
2: Oh, so many pivots.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, tell us them all.
2: I can talk about all the pivots we've done in like just a podcast episode. Oh my gosh. yeah, so we have definitely, I mean, there have been multiple times where we've had to completely like completely scrap a prototype. Um uh I, that's just happened recently. Like after our Kickstarter, we had to completely scrap anything that was in the Kickstarter video like that is not in the game anymore. Like that is all different. <laughs> um, so, uh there are things like that. Um I mean, our biggest pivot that we did recently uh was We actually, so we were until like up until the holidays uh, in 2019, um, we were trying to go directly into the video gaming space. Um, We were going to like launch on video game platforms. We were going to be specifically for like autistic, uh, for autistic youth to be the buyers. Like that was our whole thing. Um, And we learned the hard way that that just was not going to be a sustainable path for us. Um, the video game community, the video game uh, industry is super saturated. And for us, our value proposition was that, you know, we have these social emotional concepts, and we have this representative character. Um, But the value proposition that we had was not the right fit for the video game community. Um, Where it really stood out was in education. Um, And the other thing that we knew about education was that we had already been receiving most of our funding from education communities um, and foundations, um, our social impact goals of wanting to reach as many people as possible. Also, we're in the education industry, so why weren't we going that way? Um, Another thing about that was that we realized two things about our game itself. One was that our scope was way too big and we were just not going to be able to create an entire five, uh, five hour long game um, with the timeline that we gave ourselves. Um, And that, uh, was it? Oh, we also tried going the publisher route um for games. Uh so the traditional gaming route is you go get a publisher, um, you get published, you get funded through that. Um, we got rejected by every single publisher that we reached out to. <laughs> so we learned really fast, actually not fast. We learned after a while that um that was just not the room for us and that education was literally the one that was giving us the funding and that aligned with what we wanted to do. Um, And I think what really stopped us from doing that and making that pivot to education for such a long time was that we were so scared about becoming a typical educational game. Um, We were so scared about the stigmas associated with educational games just sucking um, and not being great. Uh, And we had never heard of an educational game that people really, really liked. So we were like, well, we can't do this. but then, you know, sometimes you get to a place where you're like, well, this route is not right. And we're going to try the best we can to make to make something that people have not made before. Um, and so far, it's been going really well. And. Um, yeah, I think those are two of our biggest tips that
0: we've gotten. Well, well, it's been so awesome to hear about Social Cypher and your journey. Uh, we have one more question before we do our little speed round at the end. And I want to take us back to your last few weeks of college and ask you this. So Mimi and I hear all the time that we should go into the corporate world first, get some hands-on experience, and then when we're ready and confident, then we should start our entrepreneurial venture. And then other times people are like, seize the opportunity as soon as you have an idea and go for it. The corporate world can wait. So I'm curious about your experience graduating college. All of your friends are going off and they have jobs planned and they're all set. What was it like kind of just jumping and going for it? I'm sure it was daunting and exciting, but I'd love to hear about what was going through your head then and how you feel about it now.
2: Oh, yeah, no, it was terrifying. Um, (laughs) And I think that there, I don't I mean, in this debate, I don't know if I'm going to help you too much, because there I I really believe there are pros and cons uh, to being able to, you know, uh, what this decision is. And when I in my last few weeks, um, I was agonizing over this decision. um, Because, you know, I like, raised by a single mom and I really wanted to be able to as soon as possible um, be able to give back to her what she had given to me right and you know for me I thought and I assumed that that meant all right I go into a corporate job I earn as high paying salary as I can and I start being able to give back to her financially Um, but we actually have heart to heart um, and I kind of broke down and she uh, actually told me the exact opposite Uh, she was like you know, you have, you have something really great here and I can tell you're super passionate about it. And I think that you're going to have an impact on a lot of people. I think you should go for this and I don't want you to throw this away. Um, and so I, because of that, I ended up doing it and I was really lucky to have the help of an incubator right out of college. Um, So that was really helpful for me in giving us structure and stability. I was insanely lucky to be able to have a team of co-founders who were also taking a gap year and were like, well, we were all going to just get some kind of part-time job to just get us through and save money. But why don't we get a part-time job and then also do Social Cipher? Um, And then they eventually ended up coming on full-time. So... I think that for me, it was, it was special circumstances, right, where I really did have the support of my mom, um, thankfully, and I had these co-founders that I'd found in college that were willing to make these sacrifices um, to, without payment, work on this video game for autistic youth. Um, and I think that being able to start young has been awesome uh, in many respects. I think that we Learn. We still learn like sponges and just like absorb everything. And we're able to take feedback and pivot really fast. And we have had, frankly, have had really nothing to lose because we hadn't really started our careers yet. Um, also, when you're when you're really young, people love helping you. Like mentors love you. So I think that. <laughs> um, and so I think that things like that have made it great. And I think that another thing is that. If we, if we had known back then what we did now, I don't know, I don't know if we would have kept going with Social Safer, honestly, like, I think that there was so much industry knowledge that we have learned that has, you know, of course, changed what we thought about stuff. And I think if we knew that from the get go, we would have just assumed, oh, this is too hard. There's no way we're going to do this. Um, But on the flip side, right, there are many, many times we have failed, we have wasted, like quite honestly we have probably wasted a couple thousand dollars because we did or in a a lot of time um because we didn't know what we were doing the first time (laughs) um now we do but I think that's one uh I mean there are so many times where I think you're a lot more susceptible to imposter syndrome I think that uh you're gonna have a lot more burnout and breakdowns because uh I mean I just did a little while ago because like we're doing a lot of legal stuff and they're is just so much business and legal jargon that I've previously never been exposed to, right? Um, But I think that most importantly, like whichever way you choose to go, um, which I advocate for both, honestly. um, I think whichever way you choose to go, as long as you have a community of other founders, um, of family and friends and of advisors and mentors who are going to be able to get you through and help you out, you're gonna be okay
1: either way. Awesome. Thank you for being so candid about that. Yeah. <laughs> <And that's, laughs> no, yeah, no, that's so good to know. I think the idea about the having the community is really important. And just from your experiences as well, it has shown how impactful it can be for you and your team. So yeah, now we'd like to end on three quickfire questions that we'll all answer. So we'll go with Vanessa, Chloe, and then myself. So getting started, what is your favorite video game? Mine is Mass Effect 2. Oh, what is that? Oh,
2: Oh, okay. Mass Effect 2 is a fantastic role-playing first-person shooter game um, that uh, takes place in space. There are all these different uh, alien races, and you're trying to – it's a very typical story where you're trying to – save the universe and save humankind, but it's so cool. And there are just so many great uh, human interactions and a wonderful, wonderful story.
0: So fun. My favorite would have to be Dragon's Lair, just because when I was growing up, my dad would play it all the time. And I have all these memories of sitting next to him and eating a bag of popcorn, just watching him play and being fascinated with the art and the design and everything that was going on and just being with my dad. So I have fond memories of playing that video game.
1: For me, I'm not sure if either of you have played it, but it's overcooked. It's basically this cooking game, but so intense because you're on like a time clock, and there's distractions in the kitchen, like rats steal your food, or suddenly there's an earthquake, and it breaks friends, like it ruins (laughs) lives, but it's so good. It ruins lives. So yeah, that's my (laughs) choice. So
2: you like you like life ruining things. You just like putting yourself through anxiety stress. Oh, you know her um, well.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> As if we don't get enough.
1: <laughs> um, okay, if you could spend an entire day learning about one topic, what would it be to become an expert? Oh
2: I okay, I love, love, love analyzing uh lyrics in music and trying to figure out the origins of Everything, um, especially movie soundtracks and figuring out the origin of like every single detail and why everything was brought in. I am a total nerd. That about
0: is so interesting. I love doing that with um, music lyrics too, like song lyrics, and trying to figure out what the artist was thinking about or like why they said those things in that way. Totally agree. If I um, could spend an entire day doing something, which I have no excuse why I don't do this now in quarantine, but I would definitely focus on learning how to cook and actually sitting down and like understanding what flavors taste good with other flavors and. Actually do that. I haven't yet. Maybe that during that time I could figure out how to perfectly defend from rats, maybe make sure <laughs> feels my
1: food, but... <laughs> I'm a cook. For me, I would love to just learn everything about 18th century Britain, like when Jane Austen was alive, yeah. because I just love like Pride and Prejudice and Emma. So yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> um, awesome. and then Vanessa. How do you empower yourself every day? Oh, how do I empower myself every day? Um, I think that the best
2: way for me to be able to empower myself uh, is by helping people that I care about um, and checking in with them every day. Um, yeah, I think being able to give advice or to be able to just listen to someone and how they're feeling. Um really helps me. I think also learning something new every day. uh, And that's also a thing that I, yeah, that helps me stay, feel empowered.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Feel good. I think for me as well, uh, it's all about interactions with other people. But um, another thing I do is journaling. That definitely makes me feel empowered. If I can write about things that I'm grateful for and if something's bothering me, like, get it out. I find that if I start a journal entry being upset about something, I always end up finding the, like, silver linings or end up turning the picture around by the end of
1: writing about it. Um, For me – I feel like listening to Ariana Grande in probably <laughs> yeah. um, so every day like waking up to thank you next or something.
0: Maybe I could just imagine you popping out of bed. It's like your alarm clock and you're just already you're dancing away. <laughs> and so you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Oh, man. I have so many. I I was just going to say, too, like, I have so many boss woman, like, power playlists Mm -hmm. that I just, like, will make when I'm feeling not great. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm great. Boss. Oh, so
1: true. Wipes tears. You you can have that as a soundtrack to one of the next video games. (laughs) Yeah, there we go okay with that everyone please check out social cipher online look at Vanessa's LinkedIn she has amazing TEDx talks like her videos hearing her speak you'll see why she continues to be such a presence on our college campus in everyone's conversations and so thank you for being here Chloe and I are so grateful to be able to speak with you
0: Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa. It was so wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. A lot of your insights are very applicable to the things that are going through our heads now. And um, you also mm-hmm. gave very actionable advice about how to think about the challenges that you may face or the people that are going to be there to support you along the way. And a lot of what you said quite frankly is just reassuring. Like, I feel very reassured that I can do mm-hmm. this and empowered that if I have an idea and I care about it deeply enough, I can actually make it happen. So, so thank you for doing that. It's, oh, it's that's wonderful. so amazing.
2: Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, for me, what I've realized was that I, when I was trying to find uh, stuff that would inspire me or that would support me, mm-hmm. um, the stuff that would do that was when uh, women were totally vulnerable and mm-hmm or uh, would talk more about their actual struggles and how they turn them around yeah. um, and not being afraid of talking about a lot of times you've failed. Yeah. Um, so I, I can be that for other people, but I'm, I'm glad I can be.
0: All right. Thank you so much for tuning in on episode two with Vanessa of Social Cypher. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at herhustle.podcast to view inspiring content and give us feedback on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.